Hello and welcome to UCC Translational Medicine Society's radio show and podcast, Narrowing the Void. This show aims to facilitate student learning and foster student engagement in translational medical research by talking to leading experts in the fields of medical research and basic science. My name is Mark VC and I am joined with my co-host Brian Curtin. Today we are also joined by Sean O'Flaherty from the Translational Medicine SOC Committee to discuss our recent Translational Medicine Society conference, which took place on the 27th of January. This marks the second annual conference hosted by the Society and it reflects a great deal of work done by the members of the committee. Sean and Brian were both highly involved in the organisation of the conference. So to begin with, Sean, could you tell us a little bit about what the conference involved? Hi, guys. How are you? Very nice to be on the podcast today. I've been an avid listener over the past couple of weeks, so uh, it's a bit surreal to be in studio today. But yeah, I'm delighted to give an insight into the conference itself. So uh, essentially, we're just trying to build on the success of last year's conference that had over 500 attendees join in through the Whova conferencing software. And there were some big names, um, the likes of Dr. Dan Baruch, who was involved in the Johnson & Johnson vaccine development. There was um, Professor Luke O'Neill, from um, who we're all familiar with through the different media programs across the COVID-19 pandemic so essentially there was a lot of pressure on us to deliver this year and and we're delighted with how it went so we changed up the, the format slightly to, to roll with the punches and, and move with the, the new world we're in so we actually delivered a conference this year in more of a hybrid format. So essentially what this meant is that we had a host of different attendees joining in both remotely and in person at our venue on campus in UCC. Um, and then to, to adapt and, and, and roll with this new format, we actually decided to implement two panel discussions as part of the day. So instead of these speakers coming in and joining and, and giving their own standalone talks uh, on their own research, we kind of felt that it might be a little bit more engaging for any audience members joining in, especially the student body, to actually be able to engage with these speakers themselves and ask questions and submit them through our, our conferencing software and, and really break down what their research is all about, how they got to where they are where they hope to go and the successes and, and failures along that journey so really we were just delighted with how it went and, and I'm happy to give any insights that were uh, particularly enlightening to me during during these conversation topics during the day. Yeah I think um, just reflecting on last year's conference as well I was lucky enough to be, to be involved as well in last year's all online conference but yeah I think one big takeaway that I found was the panel formats really really shone this year i think last year um i think online presentations for the students it can be kind of be synonymous to a lecture and it's, it's, it's i think it's harder to actually kind of get to terms or get to grips with the, the people themselves who we want to, to speak about and i thought the panels were great this year where ava and yourself sean are our moderators for the for the both the morning and the afternoon panel. I thought it was brilliant just to kind of get to know the researchers more, get to know get to know their own personal drives and their and their um their motivations with their research, um and then kind of work work back from there for the students. I thought that was that was really interesting. Yeah, I totally agree. So I mean the two of you were, were there in person and I was tuned in online and I have to say I, I fully agree the the panel format worked really well especially you know you hear different voices and they're all given their own little opinions and they agree on a number of things but then you know it's quite interesting to see different points of view as well which is just as interesting so could you tell, tell us Sean maybe about a few of the kind of topics that were discussed at the conference yeah definitely so the first panel so we had two panel discussions during the day and that was kind of um, broken up with a, a keynote speech 
much. So our first panel was based on the looser general topic of advances in medical technology. So we had a host of different speakers. These were all remote speakers that joined us on the day. Um, and our moderator, Ava, was um, broadcasting in person from Devere Hall, UCC. Um, so we had the likes of um, Dr. Andrew Cameron, who is a CEO of a company called Fieldtect. And they are working on uh, artificial intelligence to detect venous leg ulcers in patients uh, during hospital stays. Um, we had also had the likes of Dr. Siobhan Kelleher. She's CEO of Sision Medical. And she's working on, again, artificial intelligence for the early diagnosis and treatment of endometriosis which I'm sure some of us are aware is a huge problem in this day and age so um, and then we had that kind of um, uh, separated by different uh, attendees like Diaceutics our huge personalised and precision medicine um, technology company that are working on um, I suppose intercalation of data between labs um, and we also had inputs from um, the likes of head diagnostics who are working on Parkinson's research and, and things like that. So yeah, it was very much uh, loosely based on technology and medical technology and how that's furthering um, the treatment of different ailments and diseases in the future and, and the advancements that we're going to be seeing in the coming years there. But really what we wanted to take away here from these panel discussions is that all these researchers have very established names in the world of, of translational medicine. And sometimes when you have a conference that's predominantly made up of a student body or student attendees, sometimes hearing about that, that research can be a little bit alienating, you know, if you don't fully understand the, the topics or, or the ins and outs of the, the data or the research that, that's led them to where they are today. But that's not to say that what they have to input to the discussion is any less valid. So we were delighted to have someone moderating a, a, a kind of a, a loose discussion around these topics so that we could take away what students would be interested in and I suppose leave out what isn't entirely relevant to our, our own backgrounds and, and futures. So that led on to a, a keynote speech from Professor Walter Colch, who is, um, he, we're lucky enough to have him on the day. He's second in the world by citations in precision oncology. And he gave an interesting speech on his work in digital twins for the treatment of neuroblastoma. And then uh, finally, the afternoon panel was again, loosely based on the topic of the future of personalized medicine, which I'm sure a lot of us tuning into the podcast today will be well aware that the personalized medicine is, is really where we're going in terms of treatment where we want to treat the, the patient and not the disease or, or ailment that they're afflicted by. So, yeah, there was a lot of insights into the day, but that was essentially the loose format that it took. Yeah, and I think the the panel format, again, just to quickly touch, touch back on that, I think it's, you, you mentioned how when you just see the research from the researchers, you, you just think that is so, so far down the line from me being anywhere able to be competent in that area. But I think... I think the word you used was alienating, Sean, but I think it was brilliant hearing the speakers in your afternoon panel speak about uh, imposter syndrome. And I know um, that they had some interesting insights uh, to your question on that. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, of course. So I think when you're at a medical-based conference and you hear something like imposter syndrome being brought up, you might be thinking, you know, did I walk into the wrong room? What is actually being discussed here? But I think imposter syndrome being, I suppose, those lingering feelings of self-doubt or wondering if you're really in a position that you know is is has your work validated enough to to, to have led you to the, to where you are today and, and those lingering feelings of self-doubt are, are something that a lot of students battle with so i thought what would, might be particularly interesting would be to look at that from the likes of people who have um 
I guess have people who have such established names in the world of medical sciences and have, have contributed in such meaningful ways to the literature. Uh, I thought it might be particularly interesting to see if those people still deal with these feelings or how they've overcome them in the course of that process. Um, and definitely I was surprised to hear that a lot of them do resonate with this feeling of imposter syndrome and, and definitely what I personally took away from the day was that um, I know Dr. Siobhan Kelleher in particular mentioned the fact that if you truly believe in what you're doing and if you if, if you feel strongly enough about the work that you're carrying out, then you're not an imposter. I mean, and that's that's quite profound in itself, because, uh, you know, if if we believe enough in ourselves and in our work and, and if what we're doing is meaningful, then it really doesn't matter what anyone else has to say. Do you know what I mean? So really, I suppose getting over imposter syndrome is is a is the answer to that rests within ourselves um and i guess we don't really need the validation of the scientific community as a whole if we believe strongly enough in in the work we're carrying out absolutely and and just kind of touching again on the imposter syndrome but also the uh, the panel format as well like i mean the second panel in particular there was great diversity amongst the people on the panel and also their their backgrounds i mean we had people who were engineers by background uh basic scientists by background and you know uh, we even had musicians um who had ventured into the field of uh of uh, medical research um so it's it's really interesting and you know all the, those different experiences can um can give new insights into uh, personalized medicine so um yeah what was kind of like the highlight of the conference for each of you uh, I can launch into that. So I thought from the morning panel, which was on the medical technology side of things, um, I hadn't, admittedly, I, I hadn't viewed the whole entrepreneurial and business side of medical tech, uh, technology startups in a certain light until I heard, I think it was um, Andrew Cameron, the CEO of Fieldtech, speak in the morning about it. And he mentioned that like he thinks that he said himself actually his own thoughts parallel mind that he thought that you know there's somewhat of a maybe a self-driven or a selfish um motivation in set in starting up a business um to deliver a medical tech device but i think he clarified the point and i couldn't agree more that it's scalable um patient-centered service and it's just being able to being able to provide a service to people to a such an extent and to such a scale is is just huge and, and it just has huge potential in not only providing a service uh, to, to to patients but also highly personalizable with the technology that they have today so i thought that was a, a big takeaway for me and one of the highlights for me anyway yeah any highlights for yourself sean yeah, I definitely agree with Brian there, but I suppose um, a big highlight for me on the day kind of builds on your topic earlier about the backgrounds of the different panellists themselves. So just to give everyone a bit of a background who mightn't be familiar with the structure of the day. So we did have two engineers on the panel or two people with backgrounds in engineering, um, as, as Mark discussed there. So we had Professor Fergal O'Brien, who is Deputy Vice Chancellor of Research and Innovation in RCSI. And we also had Dr. Mark O'Sullivan, who is working on the Norobel Project in Infant Research Centre. So what they're trying to achieve here is um, working on artificial intelligence to detect um, epilepsy in, in newborns. So really what's interesting here is that I think in the medical sciences, it's easy to think that if you have a degree in X that you have to follow through along that same area. But I think what these researchers were showing was that, you know, in something as as abstract 
as some might think as uh, something like electrical engineering would be to the world of medicine actually you know it doesn't matter what your background is and you're not limited to your degree and and really the world is is your oyster in that sense that if you want to to take your degree and build on that and go completely opposite direction then that's perfectly acceptable and really i think it kind of builds on the imposter syndrome in that sense that you just need to follow your interests and and what 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 drives you at the end of the day yeah, I'd agree. And I, I think that's one of the great benefits of going to events like these conferences. You know, your your eyes are open to a number of skills that aren't, you know, unique to engineering or unique to science itself, but they're kind of general um, skills that can be applied to anything and they're really worth learning. Um, that's super. So uh, another question there I had was, you know, was there any interests or new interests that kind of arose through the conference that you'd like to further explore maybe throughout your careers? Yeah, I can definitely touch off this anyway, but I know Professor Fergal O'Brien had some particularly, um, I found them to be profound insights anyway, into, I guess, the whole topic of advancing your studies after undergrad. Um, and I guess we can all resonate with the fact that there are people involved in the medical sciences are similar, that there is almost this kind of pressure or knowledge or something in the back of your mind that kind of leads you to want to further your studies and go on to do masters and go on to do a PhD and and kind of stay in the world of academia until you really know what you want to do but I guess what Professor O'Brien was saying was that really a PhD is an extremely challenging undertaking and unless it's something that you know for certain that it's you know you want to, to go down that road and if it's something that really interests you on all levels then it's really not worth taking up because you know there's going to be days that challenge you even when you find the joy in those activities so if you haven't got that at that basic level and and you can't you know find joy in the PhD or, or, or similar itself then I think that it, it would lead to a much more challenging um challenging uh, you know study area so I think it kind of touched off that topic that you can kind of branch into like Brian was saying into industry and, and med business and, and it definitely opened my eyes to those options when I just thought that you know I'd be stuck in the world of academia for another while. Yeah and in, in terms of how the conference influenced my career path um, well I had a very vague idea going into it and I, I think I still have a pretty vague idea I don't think any conference is going to change that but I think Professor Fergal O'Brien had another very valuable insight amongst many um, from his panel and I think he mentioned um, the value of mentors and I know that Professor Noel Kaplice, um mentioned it on our podcast uh, back last semester but uh, I think Fergal spoke about how he's he's seen uh, students, he's seen PhD students go on from getting a f- a one one in their undergrad, and they just make the they make the next step step up straight into a PhD program, and it could be at a very prestigious uh, university. But he said without the functional fundamental support of a mentor that's willing to invest in you, that he's just seen them crumble under the pressure, and they were unable to. I guess continue their their studies in their PhD so I think that that was one thing that I took away from it that it's it's very very pertinent not to have your head in the book 24-7 and it's just all about looking for the people behind all the opportunities and make sure that you make those connections and make them strong so that you can have that support when you need it and when the pressure comes on. Yeah, I know Fergal did have some very profound insights on on all things medical sciences but I, I definitely think that that point that he made about 
the students that he has interacted with over the course of his his years in RCSI was that it wasn't the students that got the one ones that he found were the most successful um, and it's kind of something that we can all take on board that there's more to student life than being buried in the books or the Buddha library. <laughs> Absolutely and I mean most of our guests that were you know we were in touch with over the first semester we're saying you know involvement in society such as this is it's really beneficial and i think we can all agree that we've learned a lot um all of us through our organization and the society throughout the year and that brings me on to the next question was there anything you learned in particular um from your role in organization in this conference or what what would you take from this conference learning yeah, there's a lot of things I take from this conference learning, really. First of all, I take uh, away the idea that a hybrid conference isn't as straightforward as you think. It's not just setting up a camera and a mic and you're good to go. There's actually uh, a lot more facets to it than you think in terms of feedback and sound mixing, which I was completely uh, oblivious to initially. Funnily enough, I find myself in a, a radio studio here with all the, <laughs> the sound mixing tools. So uh, it's uh, evoking a bit of PTSD. But yeah, no, what, I'd really, uh, what I've really personally taken away from this conference is that... Um, um, I guess it builds on this idea of just no risk, no reward, and it's hard to find success or, or, or really take things to new heights unless you're willing to give your all, I guess. So I know this conference, and, and there was a lot of us, yourself, Brian, involved on the team um, over the past couple of months trying to, to bring this into fruition. Um, and I just don't think that that would have been possible unless all of us have uh, really taken on this role of the conference as being our full-time job. And I'm, I'm personally, I'm very proud of what we've accomplished on the day. Um, but it just kind of highlights the idea that, you know, even though that it might look like it's a straightforward event to some people that you have, uh, you know, guests come in, give their insights, people attend. Actually, behind the scenes, there's a lot more that goes on. And, you know, it's hard to, 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 to see that when you're on the other side of it. But it's really taught me that, you know, that unless you put in that work, you're not going to get the, the reward. And, and, and there's um, something really enlightening in that and, uh, and, and rewarding, you know. Yeah. Um, from my own experience from being on last year's fully online panel as well, I, th um, I think m definitely <laughs> in person as much as possible is the way to go. I think in, per in terms of engagement, first and foremost, I think, um, yeah, I think just watching an in-person panel, I think there is something else, there's something different, just being able to engage with the speakers and see them up close, especially after however many months of zoom calls and stuff i think you're you're crying out for that bit of personal connection and um that bit of tangible um i guess more human interpersonal nature of an in-person conference um one other thing i i took from it was we were just blessed in in terms of our reaching out to bodies in ucc such as the Vere hall and the audiovisual department here in ucc as well uh, I think they were just brilliant in helping us out and setting up everything on the day and I think for for any other societies thinking of um, organising events or or such in, in UCC I think definitely to reach out to those guys they, they really know what to do and they saved us a great deal of stress on the day and yeah it was a, as Sean said a really really big team effort from everyone in the society as well everyone on the committee uh, on the day helping out so yeah that would be my takeaway super and i know we have a number of uh, uh events kind of planned in mind for the rest of the semester with the the translational medicine society is there anything that you guys are looking forward to in particular 
Yeah, so uh, I know yourself, Mark, you're very involved in this new nephrology event that's on the cards. Um, and I know that you're aiming for, uh, I guess, a multifaceted background. So a patient versus research versus someone working in clinical practice. Um, I'd love to hear more about that and, and what the plans are for this event. Yeah, so I mean, we're, we're planning on, uh, on organising kind of a, a speaker event um, for World Kidney Day, which will be on the 10th of March. And um, yeah, so we'll be talking to a patient who's actually underwent a kidney transplant, which will, you know, provide a lot of insight of just how much of a difference translational medicine can can deliver to a real life person. You know, that that would be impossible without recent research uh, breakthroughs that have occurred in the last few years. Um, and also we have uh, Dr. Sarah Moran, who's um, both a consultant nephrologist and also uh, she's conducted a, a lot of um, translational research as well. So it's really going to be some great insights at that um, from both the patient and the doctor. Yeah, looking forward to it. And I think actually just circling back to, um, I guess, treatment as a whole. And, and, and I think in the context of COVID-19 and the pandemic and, and everything we're all sick of hearing, um, you know, with this patient might actually have some insights on this on the day, but I know it's not all negative when it comes to COVID. And I know what something that I took away again from the conference was that there were positives in terms of translational medicine and that when you see the likes of uh, vaccine rollout and, and treatment developments, um, I guess it just goes to show that what can be achieved in terms of working together as a, as a scientific community and, and, and working as, as one towards a single goal, how, how quickly these breakthroughs can come about. So uh, I think that that's something that can be applied to a lot of areas, but particularly in the area of um, nephrology. Definitely. Brian, what are you looking forward to? Uh, so I'm really looking forward to a similar event in terms of, uh, I believe Ava and Paddy are spearheading uh, an event in collaboration with um, the Cancer Research here in UCC. So I, th I believe they will also be looking for uh, a patient um, from the UCC uh, or from can UCC Cancer and their the research group and, and their contacts. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to both both talks in terms of it's nice to do um, potentially a bit of fundraising as well for the charities. Uh, it'll be great to help spread the word. I know I'm sure these past few years with COVID and restrictions, I'm sure donations and such and uh, the lack of in-person fundraising has been a, a big blow so I'm really looking forward to those two events here. Yeah. Definitely well there's lots more to come anyways for the semester with the UCC Translational Medicine Society so that's all we have time for today folks so thank you so much for coming on the show it's been great. Thanks very much Mark. Thanks for having me.